Football Pod on OTB Sports. I think they'll have too much. I didn't hear a word you said in the last 45 seconds. What? Breaking news here on the Football Pod. The Football Pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. Well, if we do say so and give ourselves a pat on the back, stellar lineup on the show this evening. We will get some reaction in a moment with Kieran Cunningham to the MTK Global announcement ceasing all business at the end of the month. We have Tommy Welch talking hurling around half past seven. Jerry Thornley, Andy Dunn on Wednesday Night Rugby after eight o'clock. We have the Republic of Ireland captain, Katie McCabe, on the show after 8.40, explaining why she doesn't want to move the Finland game to the Aviva Stadium. And then from nine, the football show, Dan McDonald with us. Uh, live football, including uh, Man City in action this evening. And then Mark Lawrenson will be on as well, talking Liverpool for Manchester United nil. 53106, the text number. Add off the ball on Twitter. Stellar lineup, you said? Well, I hadn't mentioned. Adrian Barry, hello. Hey, Joe. And Richie McCormick, how you doing? Well, well. Uh, 4 0, uh, perhaps the most predictable scoreline of all time, Adrian Barry. It was always going to be a case of how many? Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's nearly a giddiness, wasn't it? Like, even during the game last night, following as, as everybody does now on social media and uh, in the commentary, and there's nearly a giddiness now about how bad United are. They're brutal. Truly brutal, Richie. You predicted the odd goal last night and, <laughs> and you weren't hopeful of Manchester United either, but the odd no. goal and then some. I just had a feeling because I guess based on nothing more than the fact that it's Manchester United and it's Manchester United away to Liverpool and we're at a point in the season whereby teams and rivalries like this can often cause a bit of an upset or a bump in the road for a team that are, that are chasing the league. But what struck me about last night's game, particularly in the second half and particularly during that moment where Liverpool really took their foot off the pedal to such a degree that United were getting half chances was the atmosphere at Anfield was so comparatively flat for Liverpool and Manchester United fixture and was so I could only deduce because the opposition um, and this is on either side of the ball but in, in this instance it's Manchester United the first time I can remember the opposition being the reason for a flat atmosphere and that being because they're just so bad and there were no threat and like like um, atmospheres like those games they thrive on threat and they thrive on the sense that, you know, we might, you know, we might be better than them, but they can land a punch at any moment. United never looked like they could land a punch at any moment. They looked so bereft of, of pretty much anything. And we kind of went through the starting 11 last night wondering, you know, how does a team that spent this much get a starting 11 this bad and then you get the results that you know ultimately comes is absolutely no surprise uh, from a team that bad we can't forget in what is supposedly the best league in the world we're told over and over again they could end up being the fourth best team this season and it's not beyond the realms of possibility and that I think is almost a bigger problem than the kind of microcosm of, of Manchester United issues at the moment that seemingly this is the fourth fifth or sixth best team in, in England and they can't lay a glove on one of the top two of the purple patch after half time, I was trying to think, Adrian, maybe there was some tactical shift here. And, and uh, well, I say purple patch, sorry, not being terrible, not having the absolutes not beaten out of them at all moments, but, you know, a chance or two. I was thinking maybe tactically that shift to the 4 2 3 1 and Jones off, and maybe there was something there that they could have done from minute one. Paul Scholes was on the Premier League coverage not the sky coverage and he was saying he was saying it was disgusting to watch Manchester United like he was just uh, a bit like Roy Keane he wasn't angry anymore he was just sad about the whole thing but just at the end he added and by the way those 15 minutes after the second half don't think for a second that was United being good Liverpool were bored 
they were just bored that's how bad United were and I thought okay maybe that's the explanation uh, look, I, I I think that's um, Paul's goals is a lot of, more about football than any of us, and certainly me. But uh, I think that's almost doing Liverpool a disservice in a way. But um, they did look better for a little while. The the shape, like the Ranjik stuff, like you talk about the shape, Joe, and getting a bit better after halftime. And Shane Keegan was pointing out on Twitter last night about the shape when they conceded that breakaway goal, and you knew the second. Was it Robertson and Salah had broken on the right hand side? Yeah. You just knew straight away. I was watching it with the five year old, and I just said to him, "This is a goal, guaranteed." And yeah. uh, sure enough, like ripping a team like that asunder, and you have all the usual names tracking back. But the Ranić stuff for me, um, God, I feel I'm feeling sympathy for him. I have to say, like he's don't he's, this, he's, he, he's he's dreadful. He's a genuinely he, he is a dreadful dreadful manager he's out of his depth he's never worked with talent like this before his 4-2-2-2 business was nonsense it's all nonsense honestly he was a shocking appointment I'm feeling sympathy for him in the way that I would felt sympathy for Steve Staunton during his Ireland reign because like he's been he's been trotted out to the media to explain this stuff and as bad as he may well be none of it is is really of his making like this is years and years and years of desperate transfer policies and I know there's uh, talk of some some movement in that from today but like it's just embarrassing he's he gets asked last night about like why they concede that goal that I was talking about and uh, he wants to say I don't know I told them to hold the shape and they jump out past the halfway line and he kind of has to sit there and bite his tongue and he's also such a total lame duck I know it's an expression that's been lashed around today mm. but it's the interviews are so utterly pointless every time it flashes up Ralph Ranić, Manchester United interim manager um, it just takes any essence out of entirely. And look at him doing interviews is not the essence of the point, but it just does really uh, make you wonder what the hell is going on at that club. I mean, yeah, yeah, the the, the problems run run deep. We have fallen two, into two, the two, uh, two, sorry, go on. two windows, Joe. He said two windows. By the way, this is fixable in two windows to get competitive with Liverpool, mm, no. which 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 amongst all the madness and stuff should not get lost because. I mean, look, maybe he's, maybe there is something in that. Maybe two windows would fix it, but two windows stacked full of brilliant decisions, the evidence of which have been nowhere to be seen they're going over to be, the last seven years. They're going to be the two greatest windows you've ever seen in your life, yeah. let me tell you that. <laughs> uh, we have fallen into the terrible trap and Sky did it and everyone does it because what's happening is kind of compelling in a grim sort of way of not acknowledging how amazing Liverpool were. It's like, I mean, Thiago jumps to mind on several occasions it was just outrageous again so we will do that with Mark Lawrenson who's on the way between 9 and 10 but I do want to kick on because Kieran Cunningham is waiting very patiently for us and the news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day Richie you're starting with the main sports story I suppose of the afternoon yeah, as you heard from Kwishuk there in the main bullet, and MTK Global believe they've faced unfair scrutiny following the sanctions imposed upon the management company's co-founder, Daniel Kinahan. They are to cease trading at the end of this month, saying that leading promoters no longer want anything to do with the management company. MTK continue to insist that Kinahan has had no direct involvement with them since 2017 and will focus now on finding new partnerships, they say, for their boxers. Their stable includes the WBC heavyweight champion Tyson Fury, who is, of course, in action this coming weekend and once again at a press conference did not face any questions about his advisor. Uh, the show is uh, booked up to its eyelids this evening but we do want to try and squeeze in uh, some discussion of this so to that end Kieran Cunningham Chief Sports Writer of the Irish Daily Star joins us here on the newsroom. Kieran, thanks for the time. No problem. Jim. We wondered what the consequences of the Dublin City Hall press conference last week might be. This is significant. 
No, it's very significant, and I think it's only the start of something. I think there will be more uh, dominoes that will fall in the weeks and months to come. Um, like, if you look at that MTK global statement, you know, they head out the, on what they called unfair scrutiny, and the big problem with this story is there hasn't been anywhere near enough scrutiny of uh, MTK global and their rise. And, you know, if the scrutiny had been both from the media and from the supposed authorities had been in place earlier on, uh, they mightn't have got as powerful as, as they are. Now, MTK Global, just to, to fill in people who don't realise how powerful they are, no, it's, they're, they're in 15 different countries in 25 different cities, over 200 boxers, including world champions, Olympians, uh, guys who look like being future world champions, and women as well who look like future world champions. And... It had a lot of power. Like if you talk to people in UK boxing, for example, it was very hard to put on a card or a boxing night without having an NTK involved. So their their tentacles were everywhere, and this uh, I think this is the start because any comp- there was a great the Americans getting involved obviously changed the game because the sanctions are so far reaching and they're such a powerful nation. Like I cannot remember anything like last week of an ambassador announcing a ransom, a multi-million dollar ransom for somebody who's heavily involved in sport. It's unprecedented. And there are a lot of other companies around boxing. I'm not going to name any of them, but there's been talk about it. There's not just one, there's quite a few. And they seem to have connections to Daniel Kennan. And I think they will be investigated yeah. and they could be in trouble soon. Like there's a perception out there of MTK will just uh, reinvent itself under another name. That will not happen. I think that's gone. I think Kenyon has finished in boxing. Kenyon's priority now is to stay out of the authorities' hands. And uh, keeping involved in boxing would be way down his list. This is a big change. Yeah, it really is. It's been the most extraordinary rise and fall. 2012, this company was set up as a gym initially. By 2015, they had 100 plus boxers. Fighters like Tyson Fury come along. Post uh, Regency in 2017, Kinahan sells the company. And then, you know, in the statement today, MTK, they say, and this, by the way, it's it's all that is left of their website, their entire website, which I was on just a week ago, looking at the various fighters they represented, and it had numerous sections, is, is entirely uh, defunct now and disappeared bar this single statement, which everybody has read at this stage. Uh, within the statement, they say, uh, Mr. Kinahan's involvement in MTK ceased in 2017, and despite repeated reassurances in this regard, unfounded allegations about his ongoing association with us and our fighters persist. I, I, like Not so long ago, Sandra Vaughan had a video talking about how he was still advising MTK fighters and recommending MTK uh, to other fighters who weren't yet signed up with them. And now they have the gall to come out and contradict that in their closing statement here. They are on the record as saying he was still advising their fighters. Yeah, and uh, last week, Bob Arum, the CEO of Top Rank, he gave an interview to the Irish Mirror and he said that um, uh, MTK was still very much a Kidahan company and that it always had been. And he, he, Bob Aram is somebody who's been involved in boxing 60 years, and he's, all, he's, he's, you know, he's been very public on his dealings with Kidahan and MTK. So one thing you notice when you cover this story over the years is a lot of people lie to you. They lie to you blatantly. They tell you one thing that very quickly becomes clear is not the truth. You know, they do a U-turn then and say, oh, we meant something else. So we had the situation with MTK a couple of years ago, said he has no involvement at all. And then they had to admit just days later, 
oh, he advises some of our fighters. Mm. So he had an involvement. So, but we've had this all along with so many different different occasions during this story that people have lied to your face. Yes. Could I ask you one last question about Probellum, this company that many of us were not fully aware of until last week when it came up at Dublin City Hall. So Probellum, uh, boxing promotion company, they came out in the last few days and denied any connection between the company and Daniel Kinhan. Richard Schaefer there, he was talking, for instance, in this instance, to BBC uh, Sport, and he said in the last few days, any fighter on Probellum's books uh, would need to cut ties with Kinhin, otherwise the company would not promote them. So he said, if a fighter has a business relationship, and he included advisory under business, if a fighter has a business relationship with Daniel Kinhin, we will not promote him. Now, the trademark for Probellum was registered by MTK Global initially, and not so long ago, a Pakistani politician had a picture of himself and Daniel Kinahan, and he said that he had been meeting Probellum that very day as in Kinahan equals Probellum, which Probellum said uh, he was incorrect about. Uh, So talk to us about Probellum, because Eurosport in the last 24 hours has pulled the broadcasting of Probellum fights. It had a five-night deal, and it was due to have one of those nights this Friday, and they've they've pulled that, Eurosport have pulled that. So explain Probellum to us, Kieran. Yeah, well, it's probably... Was quite a few months ago that people started taking notice of Probellum and wondering was a connection to Kinnan and MTK Global, and the reason was that so many MTK boxers were appearing and uh, you know were being announced on Probellum. Uh, uh, you know, were there seemed to be a crossover, like the, the people seemed to be involved in both MTK and Probellum. So we were wondering was there a connection. And a, a few years ago, I was looking into the ownership of MTK, like who exactly is, is done as the owner of a company's house. And the name of a guy called Ronan Cruz came up. But uh, he got in touch with me. He had registered a company called MTK Global, but he said, no, that's a different, it's not the MTK Global, that's kind of a promotional company related to it. And this is the, uh, that, but that MTK Global promotions company that he set up, then renamed itself as Probellum, and MTK had MMA fights under the umbrella of Probellum. Okay. Probellum, the company that we're talking about now, say that's a complete coincidence that they registered their name in Delaware and they, they just liked the name. That's what they actually said. So it's what it's a lot of things you're told there by these people. You have to you're told to take them on trust, but they seem very curious. Okay, we'll come back to it. We're tied for time this evening, but thanks so much for coming on at short notice. Thanks, Kieran. No problem. Kieran Cunningham there, Chief Sports Writer with the Irish Daily Star. I'm sure uh, on tomorrow's OTBAM, the lads will follow up on this development as well. As you can imagine, we're uh, progressing through the news round with Richie McCormick and Adrian Barry. Richie, very interesting story from Wimbledon. Yeah, the All England Club today confirming that Russian and Belarusian players are banned from competing at Wimbledon this year. They say it's their responsibility to help limit Russia's global influence. Russian and Belarusian players are still allowed to compete on the major tours under neutral flags. But today's decision means the men's number two, Daniel Medvedev, and women's number four, Irina Sabalenka, will be forced to miss Wimbledon in June. Organisers of the men's main tour, the ATP, have criticised the decision, saying discrimination based on nationality constitutes a violation of the agreement that players' entry is based solely on rankings. Adrian, thoughts? Wimbledon taking a stand. No neutral flags, no uh, competing in any respect whatsoever if you're simply born in Russia or born in Belarus. 
yeah, and the first Grand Slam event to do it, so it takes a bit of cojones, no matter what your view on it, one way or the other. Um, they've they've come out and they've taken a view on it. Um, it they have slightly left the door ajar. Like, I mean, nothing changes there, right, over the next few months from everything we've seen so far in terms of the attack on Ukraine. So um, I don't expect anything to change in that regard. Uh, but it does sound like, uh, reading around it this afternoon, the ATP aren't done on it. Um, they were talking about the decision being a violation of their agreement with Wimbledon to ban players based on nationality, um, which is kind of, I mean, I guess on one level it is what's happening, but it does brush under the carpet the greater context for everything else that's going on. Uh, there, I think there's, is there nine players across, in the top 40 across both the men's and women's mm-hmm. draws? Would Med, Medvedev uh, be fit or not? I'm not sure. Um, so who knows in that front? But it does remove the stink of, like, if those players take to the court, I'm sure that I'm sure this has been a talking point for the people who are organising Wimbledon. Like, if those players take to the court over the course of the tournament, um, the reception they're going to get uh, is probably going to be pretty uh, flat at best. It's probably going to be mm. a bit of um, upset from the from the bleachers, I would assume, as well. So they've removed all of that. But yeah, look, they've taken a stance. Um, they had choices. They're, 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 the other Grand Slam events have not yet gone down that road. So um, is it the right thing to do, Joe? Is that the question? I guess it is, yeah. Um, and I guess it is the right thing to do. Like... You won't find a competition more obsessed with optics than Wimbledon. Like the fact that everybody still has to to play in white kind of speaks volumes towards that. But they are literally obsessed with their image more than Roland Garros are, more than uh, the USTA are with uh, the US Open and more than, you know, the Australians are with the Aussie Open. Like they are obsessed with how Wimbledon is viewed and they do not want any questions about, you know, nefarious goings on or whether or not somebody supports Putin are not competing at their tournament and they've they've taken this step now uh, as being part of the ATP tour essentially in the WTA tour they kind of have stoked the flames and they could face a bit of backlash from the players here because there are so many populating the women's top 20 I think it's three of the top 20 are either Russian or Belarusian uh, you've got Sabalenka there Victoria Azarenka and Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova is from Russia and then Rublev Medvedev and Karen Kashinov are inside the top 25 or 6 for the men so but you've got six major players there who aren't going to be involved and they may well have allies that say, listen, they're going to compete as neutrals. You're not essentially raising flags over Wimbledon, let them go on. Um, but I think it's a very firm line in the sand. It'd be interesting to see if the, the French Tennis Association follows suit in the next couple of weeks. I don't think they will, but it gives them a big question to to ask themselves and possibly answer in the next two weeks or so. Yeah. Juan, well, what do you think, Rich? Right thing to do? Oh. I, do you know what? I find it very hard to say it's a right or wrong thing to do. I kind of admire that Wimbledon have taken a stand and said this far out, listen, we can't have the potential of of, of Russians succeeding because Medvedev, I guess, is the is the person that everybody's yeah. pointing to here. And perhaps even Sabalenka as well, given uh, Belarus's um, proclivities. But like... <sighs> I, I genuinely find it hard to come down either side of this one and say it's it's absolutely right or it's absolutely wrong. I think it's such a grey area given the fact that the likes of Rublev have essentially come out uh, it, 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 in as much as he can without being locked away in Siberia for the next 10 years. He's come out against the war. Um, I would imagine there are others obviously who aren't for it, but mm. you, know, you can't be relying on them to be vocal against something. There actually needs to be a stance taken here. And this is essentially like we've applauded 
uh, Haas for getting rid of uh, Young Mazepin from from their roster in Formula One. This is essentially doing what Wimbledon are doing—the exact same thing—and just saying, nope, no Russians, no Belarusians. We'll talk about it potentially in June or definitely next year. But for this year, we're taking a wide berth. Mm. I admire them their stance, but I can't say. I, like, it's not for me to say whether it's right or wrong. You know. Mm. So Sean Cronin. Yeah, the latest Leinster player to confirm their impending retirement, the Ireland hooker, ex-Ireland hooker, pardon me, will hang up his boots for the final time at the end of this season. Cronin has won two Heineken Champions Cups, a Challenge Cup and six Pro League titles during his time with Leinster. Previously, of course, he was at Connacht and Munster before that. He earned the last of his 72 international caps during the 2019 Rugby World Cup. Yeah, there's a few texts in. Somebody on Sean Cronin. Great servant, over 70 camps for Ireland. Never started, it seemed. Always reliable player in a great era. Yeah, I mean, geez, uh, there were times where he was running at defences and moving very fast. And you thought, God, this guy's incredible. You know, you, <laughs> 70 camps is a great innings. You kind of wondered if he was unfairly uh, labelled super sub and that stuck and he was a great impact off the bench. I mean, he still had a hell of a career. On Ralph Rangnick. Ralph was on a hiding to nothing in fairness. On the other hand, he didn't seem to make any impression in the dressing room. Overall, you can have the eggs and the frying pan, but if you can't ignite the fire in the kitchen, then it's not where you should be, says Kieran in Dublin. That's Eddie O'Sullivan texting in under pseudonym, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Mick outside just typed through, is this Eddie O'Sullivan? Uh, we, we mean that in a loving way, naturally. Yeah. Uh, Joe too modest to bring up you predicted 4-0 last night I'd have demanded a slot in the breakfast show this morning if it was me never mind wait until 7 o'clock well listen took a punt took a punt I just it's uh, a big show Joe I did not see a way because I actually don't I know we, they get their attitude is talked about the Manchester United attitude I actually don't think their attitude stinks I know that's a semi-controversial thing to say about Man United right now uh, I think they start games and are really trying to do well and I think their apologies even though they've become repetitive uh, well-intentioned and well-meant certainly the ones where they give them to camera as opposed to the ones their PR advisors uh, type up I just think what happens to them in games is they have no plan they have very little quality and the house of cards falls and they end up looking like a rabble who don't care so so I never felt at Old Trafford when they lost to City or Liverpool that those defeats were a team not caring or a team that they get, didn't give a damn or not up for it I just thought they were so outclassed that's what happened in those games and I thought well they can be, they're, they're going to be more yeah. outclassed at Anfield yeah. so that's I just a thought it's a 4 niller. That's a great that's a gradient thing. It's a, it's, you're, it's not that you're up for it or you're not there, there are probably certain degrees of, of being up for it and, yeah. and being you know uh, certainly mentally in tune to a game and that does drift away like the United you know I'd agree they do start off uh, on occasion pretty well in the games but it does peter away and peter away rather quickly as soon as the second goal went in last night like you knew there was like we were talking about potential cricket scores I think it's and I that, think it's because they realise oh god we've no chance you know like concede after five concede the next one I think they just I look around that's, and but they that's certainly an attitudinal over. problem yeah yeah that's yeah, no, I, like, I, yeah. Go on. no I just think there's nothing they can do honestly they're just that bad there's nothing they can do and so uh, one or two heads drop and then slowly but surely everyone follows so by the end it looks horrific but I, I the, the reason I didn't even think they could hold on with five at the back and somehow only lose one nil was because like you just knew the way that five at the back was pulled apart inside the first four or five minutes yeah. Harry Maguire loves a no man's land step up doesn't he like for every <laughs> goal it's like I think even at this stage uh, Richard was talking about optics earlier on that just when he'd be like I don't care what happens today. I ain't getting left in that position again in every game without fail. But I think also like that, you know, we're talking about attitude and 
definitely attitude is one of the myriad of issues. But like even the debate after the game last night, everybody's trying to put their finger on what's wrong. It's all wrong. It's all wrong. Like, ah, yeah, totally. Everything wrong. is wrong. Totally. Even with a great attitude, even if they went out last night with a perfect attitude, they were still going to lose 4 0 because they were a disorganised mess. Like they'd never even yeah. played together, that team. But yeah, Harry, Harry Maguire for <laughs> an absolute rabble. For every goal, like every centre half has a decision to make at some point in a moment of play. And you either, if you're going to gamble, you gamble all out and you squeeze up on someone, or else you drop back and you're, you're a, a, not a risk taking. Uh, type and mm. in every instance Harry Maguire goes for the middle option of I'll step up a little bit but not fully commit but then not be in a position to save the day and drop off either he's and such an interesting case oh, study man. he's such an interesting case study What's to happened? see the way his, his career built oh. in, step by step from Hull and Leicester and, and kind of and England and, and seeing the way it all progressed upwards and to see it crumble so fast at Manchester United like to see like he's completely devoid of confidence yeah it's shocking like completely devoid of confidence and it's a really we can talk about like you know his, his wages and he's well paid and he plays for Manchester United and he should do this and he should do that it's like it's actually sad to watch somebody at that level be unable now to perform simply because their confidence is so badly shot yeah I wouldn't I would like I almost wouldn't blame him if he said right back strain end of the season I can't face yeah. it anymore yeah. um, do you're, you, watching, you're watching Pogba go off last night <laughs> that could be his last game last never but like Yar's yeah. in like oh come on now like and there's there was a there was a clip of Wayne Rooney doing the round today where he got injured in the game a couple of, couple of years ago and he was like barely able to walk yeah. and he's just trying to get through it and there's nobody on that team that is trying to leg in any way to uh to get involved but I look at and we should, we need to obviously bookend all of these conversations Joel you mentioned earlier on aren't Liverpool class oh, <laughs> class absolutely class, class. just yeah. devastating like the, the best team to watch at the minute without without uh, you know there isn't there isn't I don't think there's any other team out there at the minute that's exciting to look at and like the even looking at the post-match interviews mm-hmm. and stuff the relationship between a player like Thiago and Salah and it's just it's all beautiful it's all it's, it's brilliant to watch yeah, uh, the live football this evening because we are out of time, <laughs> fellas. Is Chelsea Arsenal seven forty five, Everton Leicester seven forty five, Newcastle Crystal Palace seven forty five, and then eight o'clock, we'll be keeping a very close eye on Manchester City at home to Brighton. Richie McCormick, thank you very much. Nice and lads. Adrian Barry, thank you. Thanks, Joe. Rich.